The symbol of our people's strength has been returned to us. Let the celebration begin! He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the NDE. It was free for all and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello and welcome back to Keep Off The Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and what I have for you here is the second part of my discussion with Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus that picks up where we left off on the last episode. So if you haven't listened to that, please do, because this will make a little bit more sense. This will begin with us responding to some listener call-ins, after which we go on to discuss some other ideas that we're mulling over. Oh, I'd just like to add that this conversation with Barney was recorded sometime after my initial responses earlier in the previous episode, and I do repeat some of the things I'd said previously. I also refer to a couple of films, one of which is The Serpent and the Rainbow, a Wes Craven film from the late 80s. Now, it's been a long time since I've seen that film, and I do suggest the events in that film are occurring in the character's mind. However, what I'm remembering is a dream sequence within that film, so uh, please bear that in mind. So please sit back and enjoy part two of the magical mystery of Alluvial Plains. Previously on Keep Off the Borderlands. Spencer, we've got, I, I was going to say an abundance of calls, but that's not true. We've got an abundance of minutes of interesting hmm. ideas, haven't we? Yes, yes. Shall we uh, listen to them and then get back to our own ruminations in response at later on. Indeed. Who are we going to listen to first? Well, I thought we would listen to Jason first, as I, I, I've already responded to a message that he uh-huh. sent me, uh-huh. and this raises something that got me thinking about the, the nature of shamanism. So are these these are the these are the messages that he sent me that I've sent you. No, well they're expressing the same point. Okay, cool. Hey Barney, Jason here. Just listened to your Alluvial Plains Part Five. I'll admit I listened to Spencer and Joe's talking about that episode prior to that, so I'm a bit out of order here. But I love Spencer. Some of the same feedback here. Due to your call-ins dispenser show and everything else, I, I think you have to decide what kind of magic you want to have. I think dials make sense. But like you say, there's issues with putting dials in there. But if you're going to allow characters to be shamans, you have to let them do magic. 
And some of them are going to see magic the way Joe sees it and the way you're using it. So I, I think that's just what it is. You know, and the way to do that's with dials. I don't think dials feel too last minute or or without thinking. A lot of other games use dials for their systems. Savage Worlds jumps to mind. But, you know, I. but your idea to, Bar, to Spencer about having, if you want a low magic or no magic game, have the shaman be a community resource. Have him be an NPC or something all the PCs control and then have that magic when he does it just be an extra die or, or whatever like that. I think there's a lot to that. I think that's a great idea. But I think as long as you're going to have PCs whose job is a spellcaster, like a shaman, they're going to want to do cool stuff with their shaman. So if you don't want cool stuff to happen in the world, then don't allow shaman characters. Or if you want it to be super low-key, don't allow them to be spellcasters or shamanic casters. And, um, yeah, have it be a community resource. That'd be my suggestion. But, yeah, really cool. And But I really don't think dials are that bad of an idea, to be honest. Thanks very much for that message, Jason. And, um, again, you would have heard my response to a very similar message that Jason sent me directly. And there seems to be a very clear understanding from Jason that a shaman is a spellcaster. And that's not necessarily how I was thinking about it. Mm. To me, calling a shaman a spellcaster is a bit like calling, say, someone like Billy Graham, the American evangelist, mm-hmm. a powerful wizard in, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, you know, um, and that Oh, uh, well, that was my my takeaway. I, I mean, I think that again comes back to this this topic of, if you like, the ontology of the world. In and and in this specific sense, the the way in which shamans operate or function or exist within that world. So you're, exactly. So I I feel like I might have um, inadvertently. But at the same time, for good intentional reasons, <laughs> um, fallen into treating the shaman a bit too much like a spellcaster. So just to put it really simply, I, yeah, I, I think I was thinking of the shaman as a spellcaster, but that the spells that they cast are very low powered. Yeah, subtle magic, I think, was the phrase. Um, and I think this is interesting that you said earlier the the, the shaman as being more of a showman. Mm. I, I really like that. <laughs> mm. Mm. And, you know, just to bring Tom in again a little bit, he's 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 talking about how the shaman has to convince the community of this other realm of these of these special powers of this greater cosmic law which which may or may not actually exist or exist in the way that they perceive it mm. um, and that's partly to to guarantee that they continue to have a certain place within the community 
Now, of course, we might also come on to the topic of whether there even is one shaman in the community. So, uh, so that in itself is another interesting topic, isn't it? Um, yeah. um, Jason also kind of comes in with a nice positive support of dials, having a, you know, a number of gradations for Mm. the magic. So that's, that's really nice that, that there, that there are positive voices for offering players, gamers, the, the opportunity to, to play the game how they want. Indeed. I, I don't want to sound like I'm being prescriptive with the, my thoughts about mm. how I feel magic works in this setting, you know. And I suppose that if we're talking about a dial rather than a switch, the minimum would seem to me to be three degrees. We mm. need a kind of, we need a kind of off, which I, which perhaps being a little bit unfair, I'd put you in the off Um, that's fine like you know really really uh pulled back then we've got a kind of middle which uh which i think probably might be more like what i've been doing and then it might be worth offering something more extreme for people Mm. who really want a kind of a fantastical, more fantastical kind stone of. and sorcery. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So that's certainly something for us to think about, isn't it? Yes, um, yes. I know you you had concerns about that not being integrated, about how that might seem to be independent of everything mm. else going on. I mean, I think we just have to see how that goes, mm. and I think each of those iterations would need to be fully integrated into it and i think our benchmark should be the off <laughs> because because i think that i think that is what you me and david have all all have in mind i i, I still feel that what you're talking about is still what i have in mind and it just happens that that in trying to construct that i i i built something else if you like um that i and and i think there are still things that can be that can be utilized from it and from what i've done um because i think mechanically it does it does broadly fit you know it does fit the system so far Yes, it, yeah, it seems to work quite quite well. Um, so, so yeah, so let's so you know let's let's see how that progresses. Um, mm. To come back to what what you started with, um, Jason says if you want if you're going to have like you say if, he says if you're going to have shamanic characters you're going to have to let them do shamanic stuff. Um, and what he describes that is later on in his in his message is cool stuff Mm, cool stuff so i know he doesn't mean it like that but the the kind of the implication if we choose to read it in that way is that anything other than that 
it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm um, cool. Yeah, this ties in with, I don't know if you've been listening to, do, do you listen to Arlen Walker's Live from Pelham's Wasteland at all? I, I listen to it now and again. Sorry, right. Arlen, I, yes. I, I, it's just he recently had a call from Safer Fantasy Crafting mm. where they had a discussion about what Gandalf is actually like in Lord of the Rings and mm. how he's not really a powerful wizard. He's mm-hmm. he's a guy who knows about the world, mm-hmm. and that kind of was almost what I'm thinking along the lines of when I think of a shaman, and in that role, I don't know. It strikes me that it would still be cool to play that character, yeah. even if you've not got all the. Uh, you know, the fireworks of being a spellcaster. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the last thing that, that Jason raises is he, he, he likes that idea of, of the shaman being a, a, a community character or there for the group. Mm. And he reads that as being an NPC. And Colin will talk about that in a little while as well, won't yes. he? Yes. Um, and I think that is an interesting aspect, but I wasn't actually thinking of the shaman as an NPC in that community capacity. What I was thinking of was that all of what the shaman can do serves the group. There's nothing which they do purely for themselves Mm. so so it's not the shaman performing an enchantment on if you like for their on on their own steam whatever the enchantment is it 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 serves the group yes yes so it would be so really simply is i i can't you know i can't heal myself i can only heal the group I can't give myself more power. I can only give others more power. I can't have visions myself, but I can give, I can, I can facilitate other people to have visions. Mm. And I'm, and I'm, I'm being pretty extreme with that because I haven't really thought it through. But that oh. just, it would be like turning the character inside out. So, so everyone would, you would always have the feeling as, as playing the shaman and as in a team where there is a shaman, you would always have the feeling that the shaman is, is, is there for the group and not a a, a lone agent. Yeah. Oh, certainly not a lone agent, but I'm just wondering about ensuring that that is a fun role to play if you are simply a supportive character in that sense. I mean, I'm still thinking that that is cool because yes. you're doing, you're doing the magic if you like, but it's for others. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but absolutely. I, this is where, this is where I find this, this, this tipping point. So the needle on this on this sweet spot that we're trying to find is so volatile 
Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think that's why some systems either don't have magic or they do have magic. And actually trying to just get that balance right for something in between is 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 harder than it might seem. Mm. Yeah. So thank you, Jason. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Who's up next? Um, should we go with uh, Goblin's Henchman? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Hi, Spencer. I'm just uh, jumping in on your cross-chat with uh, Barney um, about um, low magic, no magic, that kind of thing about alluvial planes. Now, I could be speaking completely out of turn here um, because I don't know anything about it because I've been really out of the loop on... I've seen I've seen Barney's episodes or podcasts go up about alluvial planes, but I've actually not been... Uh, oh, in the spirit of this podcast, I'm just made myself a little, little Nespresso coffee here. Bit of advertising, you know, I'll get that little royalty, obviously, uh, for advertising that product. But um, anyway, so let's close this door. So I just wonder if there's a sort of a hybrid here. Now, you know, I was interested in this idea you were saying about, you know, the waves and how it was imagined it might happen. But, you know, I just imagine that, I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm jumping in right, right, at the, right in the deep end with knowing nothing. So please forgive me. It just occurred to me that um, could a shaman be sort of like a person so who believes in magic, but there is no magic? So from a mechanistic point of view, there is magic. <laughs> he does cast the spell. Um, but from a reality point of view, as you described it, there isn't really magic, but he ascribes the situation that occurred to, his ma- to, the ma- to magic. So, you know, there was a coincidental kind of a combination of waves that reinforced that splashed the person and so he put it down to his spirit spirit magic or whatever it was so from a mechanistic game point he does say right dm i or gm i want to cast this you know disturbed person spell i don't mean again i'm really <laughs> don't know the mechanics and then it's explained away as you know in reality something happens so you have to dial down the real magic so pinning someone down doesn't make sense unless just coincidentally they had you know some sort of um trapped nerve condition that got kicked in or they accidentally before had eaten a a berry that had uh, paralyzed their system or something so that he actually by sheer coincidence did collapse and get prone but it couldn't um couldn't be and but the shaman thought it was magic so he ascribes that to his own powers and because he's sort of almost deluded about it he believes his his own baloney i mean it's kind of like the aboriginals um you hear these stories of people you know, having the bone finger poked at the point of them and they actually die because they believe in the magic. And, you know, and, and there was this idea that Barney talked about everyone having shamanic magic. Well, every you know, there's plenty of coincidences in the world and if you ascribe that to your spirit, you know, spirit magic or whatever, then, you know, it's sort of almost like a luck point. You spend your magic, <laughs> but it's, you know, but just put, it puts a lot of pressure on DM and player to come up with a way of explaining what happened to give the magical effect and i don't know maybe it maybe it struggles to uh, hold up in the long term because you know the shaman's always doing magic and he's always seeing the the coincidences that aren't there um and may you know maybe he's you know there's an advantage but it's not really it's only one that he sees in his own mind you know that the, the foe was actually weaker after all because he didn't really cast weakness um you know actually cause him to lose hit points he just never had them to start with anyway Bit of a rant, a bit of a random thought, completely out of my depth. I don't know what either of you are talking about, but I thought it was an interesting discussion. So, uh, 
I thought that I'd just chance my arm, spout some guff, and um, see if it lands on a, a fertile field or a alluvium plain. Right, let's have a sip of this coffee. Oh. Hmm. Yep. Nice. Right. Cheers. I I wanted to start by saying um, I'm I'm really honestly, really honestly, not offended by the fact that uh, the henchman is is listening to your podcast and not my podcast. I'm really not. I'm really That's... not offended by that at all. Easy this, come, easy go. He, I don't like think all of Ireland's episodes. Um, <laughs> You know, it's 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 totally fine. Um, so I'm just extra honoured that he would want to offer us uh, some feedback, despite the fact that he's not listening to any of the other Alluvial Plains episodes whatsoever. It's fine. But I'm really fine maybe, with that, honestly. Maybe it's that fine. would change. <laughs> maybe what, my feelings towards that will change? No, no. Uh, I might start I mean, actually feeling a bit henchman's behaviour will change. Uh, He'll see the light, don't, don't it, worry. Once his extension's finished, I'm sure he'll go back through the back <laughs> catalogue like a loyal anchorite. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so he's got this idea, hasn't he? Why not have Shaman as characters who believe deeply in magic in a world with no magic? Mm. Oh, I thought that was that. interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and he does admit that that could get a bit unwieldy. How you, how you play with this kind of deluded character that still has to have some kind of impact. Yes, yes. I mean, and it would turn into maybe the the luckiest character alive. You know, everything they're hoping will happen does happen. And mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of films where a character believes that they can't be harmed or they've got some lucky charm and they just, you know, gregariously uh, head into trouble. And then someone tells them afterwards, oh, you you left your lucky thing at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've seen that a number of times and I feel like I shouldn't be able to put my finger on it, but... I can't remember. Um, it's funny. I just got an image of the film. Are you familiar with uh, Dead Man, the Jim Jarmusch? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. how at the beginning of the film, Johnny Depp's character is shot. Mm. And uh, it's, he spends the rest of the film slowly dying. Mm. And there's no... There's no, uh, you know, it's not a magical film. It's quite surreal. Mm. But there is a sense. It's it's a very sort of mystical film. Mm. Mm. I think of it very much as a circular film. So yeah. The, the beginning, almost, when you get to the end, it's almost as if he'll come back round again mm. to, the, to the beginning of the film and is kind of perennially in this this loop and there is this bit this great there is a there is a scene with the indian nobody who i think who who just is it the scene with iggy pop uh, where he just kind of 
accidentally shoots the gun and it kills one of the trappers. And, yes. And a bullet misses him and there's some karmic or synchronistic mm. or whatever we want yeah, to call it. Yeah, it's like a sort of a divine intervention mm. thing going. Mm. A great, a great film. A great film. Mm. Mm. Yes. yes. Oh, but I, um, I realised that wasn't kind of what you were talking about, but um, well, it just sprang to mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it kind of struck me that Goblin's Henchman is talking about not so much a mind-body split, but a mind-world split. Mm. So this, the, the, the shaman has this this mental life going on, which is somehow distantiated from the world. Yes. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking of another film now. That's it's been a long time since I've seen it. The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh gosh. Uh is that the voodoo film? Yes, yes. It's been and a it's, while since I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. But it's all very much isn't it a lot of it going on in the character's head and it's all about how it's all about the the people believing that what's being done to them. Mm. It's what makes it effective. It's kind of like a placebo sort of mm-hmm. thing going on there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and Goblin Sentiment does talk about that, doesn't he, with the Aborigines dying yes. because of the yeah. shriveled mm. finger, finger, or... the bony finger. Mm. And I think that I think that does that certainly strikes a chord with me about the type of the type of world we would or are trying to, we have been trying to create. Mm. There's a belief in magic, but it's, it's, it's kind of unverifiable. Yes, yes, that's a good word. Mm. And, and that comes up in, isn't that, that used in the Blood and Snow? I see RPG. Ah, it could be. Where they talk about unverifiable magic. Yeah, that, there you go. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was really interesting because they kind of, they cut, they cut magic out and then they kind of sneak it back in mm. and, <laughs> and they tell you that you can put it together how you want. <laughs> yes, yes. I th- that, go on. I was just going to say, I think, there's a sense there that they 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 kind of want to tie in with the rest of the ICRPG worlds, as it were, because there is kind of um there's a sort of uh, multi-dimensional element to the settings, isn't mm. there? Yeah, and I mean the most yeah the most obvious thing would be to yeah to plug in as much or as little of the magic system as it exists. That would be the most obvious thing. I mean, there's a similar kind of thing in that, which which is also in our beloved Bastion, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is to locate the supernatural in objects. Yes, yes. Um, so 
you know, and I think I think Chris has talked about that, hasn't he? Where he thought, well, everyone wants to be the wizard, so I give everyone give everyone the opportunity by having the arcana or the oddities, mm. and that's certainly a thing to consider. Which might actually lead us on to our next caller, eh? Yes, yes, let's. <laughs> oh, we did. Did we thank? Did we thank Goblin's Henchman? Thank you, Goblin's Henchman. Thank you, Goblin's Henchman. So, good old Colin. Just wanted to record a few quick thoughts in relation to alluvial planes, in particular the ongoing discussion around what is being called magic. I'm, I'm thinking it'd be a shame to see the spiritual and mystical taken out of the game and there's probably a bit of a weird overlap that goes on between those types of things and what you might call a magic system in a traditional Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy adventure game the other thing hearing the conversation going on every time I hear mention of the tribal aspect of the game my ears prick up and the reason for that is I think that's where the a lot of the design space for let's say alluvial planes if you take that as a module or a, a modular companion to the overall vantage system I see this design space for you around tribal mechanisms I think there's a lot of room to play there and this shaman concept is is probably where I might go myself listening to the conversation I was initially thinking yeah maybe you make the shaman like a non-player thing and then I thought well there might be a little bit of a disconnect there and perhaps that's not super satisfying. And then I thought, yeah, but the, the idea of a tribe is really good and perhaps it becomes a tribal thing. So then I started to think, well, a shaman isn't spending all his time casting spells and things like that. And then a kind of a light bulb went on in my head and I thought about time and I haven't heard you talk about time very much or maybe scale or frequency when when is this stuff happening um, and chance has been mentioned and, and, and fate and things like this and it makes me think about what how these people see this this phenomena, this mysticism, this spirituality, and it occurs to me that it it probably plays out as a ritual or something that takes place over a span of time. And if you take advantage of the fact that things things like this maybe take a a long while to come to fruition, you've got a different level to the game. Potentially, like you've got 
almost like a tribal phase or uh, or a downtime. So you haven't got the problem of instant spell casting and kind of like combat magic or that instantaneous spell slinging that I think is what you're trying to avoid. Instead, you've got something more tribal, more shamanic that plays out over a length of time. So it can still be significant, but it's, it is, the comparison I would make would say, it's the difference between, say, strategy and tactical. So you've got strategic thinking that's the big game, and then there's tactical decisions that are, like, in session, you know, seconds and minutes, and then your, your, your strategic stuff is playing out over days, weeks, months, whatever. And I just, it just struck me, and I thought, you might find it helpful. So, my my thoughts are this, then, or my the, the things I took out. Um, Colin puts in a vote for maintaining the spiritual slash mystical. He says he thinks it would be a shame if that is gone. Mm. And he says inevitably that's going to have some overlap with uh, with a magic system, a more you know traditional magic system. So yes, absolutely. And I don't think anyone, I don't think any of us are, are talking about ditching that. No, no, I'm yeah. certainly not against spiritual mystical. That sounds perfect description of what I'm trying to leave in there mm, mm. and then he then he he says doesn't he you know he responds to this idea of the tribal he's interested in tribal mechanisms and rather than have the the shaman as NPCs he's he starts to wonder if if there could be a kind of ritual time which would be code for a kind of downtime or a, mm. or a, a a second part of the game where you where you perform a ritual and and that has some kind of lasting impact over the other parts of the game yes and he and he interestingly links that you know he he opposes strategy and tactics, which I think is really interesting. So he kind of talks about this ritual time as maybe being strategic. What are the general aims, mm. the overarching pre-planned aims, and then the the action time, if you like, which would be more tactical decisions. Yes, yes. And this got me thinking, I don't know if you're familiar with Blades in the Dark. I'm I'm not really familiar with it. You're probably more familiar with it than I am. But my understanding of it is that there are these sort of downtime things going on. And there's also kind of like a retroactive element to like the planning of heists and stuff Mm. like that. Now, I, it got me thinking about that as well. I think we're exactly, exactly, our minds are in in sync here. I remember good old Dave Aldridge 
doing that in one of the Black Cat games. And so we had these heist points or whatever. And so I, if that's something that also exists in Blades in the Dark, very nice. Because that was exactly the, the thing I, I struggled with was two aspects, really. I tend to find those downtime times a bit uh, disappointing mm. um, and a bit formulaic. Um, I would much rather have the adventure embed those downtime elements. And if we are playing, um, you know, more emergent, improvised games that follow that follow the the whims of everyone. Uh, rather than having some fixed kind of thing, I couldn't immediately see how you would know what strategies you wanted to go for. So that did indeed get me thinking about kind of retrospective flashback actions. Mm, yes. And it's something about that that I'm kind of... That's got me thinking about kind of uh, divination mm-hmm. and you know, premonition and mm. so so then that would so just for example if we can take the game that we played last week oh you're being dragged to a sacrificial pit um, you you would want to roll if you had already seen that coming. Yes, that that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And if you were successful, then that would add some dice or some, you know, it would give you perhaps advantage. So some automatic mm. successes or, um, but then that kind of takes you out of the thrill of acting in that moment. Yes, yeah. Um. And so I would say my, my, my kind of defense case would be when Joe wanted to have a vision, it wasn't the world's most miraculous vision or complete vision. And I just told him about the, the water and blood mixing and being sucked underground, which to me is quite kind of Minimal and dare I say poetic. Yes, yes, certainly. Um, it's very evocative. Yeah, yeah. So, to, so to me, that's far less, that's far lower magic than saying, "Oh yes, you saw this coming. Have a boost to your role." Technically, is less magical, <laughs> but it's yeah. more mystical. Ah, yes, okay. Now, Colin made another really good point, which is he says, and I think he puts this so well, that he gets the impression what we're trying to avoid is instantaneous spell slinging. Yes. And that, I think, is great. And I think, yeah, that's certainly a kind of a, a thing that's been dogging me. 
Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but it's yes, how to address that, how to. Uh... So so I think that was I think that was yeah those are all my thoughts with regard to Colin. But you know as with all uh you know Jason Goblin's henchman and Colin you know there's there's so many really useful and encouraging uh little suggestions in there that I think can bimmel around in our brains definitely definitely certainly a lot to chew over there mm, mm. hold up you know what i'm going to leave it there that's right i've gone the full peter jackson and turned this thing into a trilogy so i hope you can join us for the concluding part of the magical mystery of alluvial plains well that's about enough from me i think thank you very much for listening thank you so much for your calls if you want to leave me a message please contact me via the anchor link in the description you can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com there's a facebook page for keep off the borderlands you can find me on twitter and mewe on the audio dungeon discord and various other places on discord as free thrall i'd also like to thank tj drennan for the wonderful music he provides and it just remains for me to say take it away tj Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.